everybody. So my uh, story really starts last year in like uh, late 2012. I kind of looked at the year and I saw, you know, I hadn't been consistent with tithing. And I looked at the reasons why and really it, it was here in the week, just right up as it was. So I decided, hey, 2013, that's going to be different. Make sure I tithe all the time. You know, and you know what happened? A year full of unforeseen expenses and debts. Because I used to try to trick you and get you to not believe, right? Right. That's so, right. you know, for the year, I found myself owing almost $5,000. You know, and then as I'm going through Christmas cards this week, you know, I've got all this mail. I came home at 12 30 in the morning because I work until midnight quite frequently in December because I'm just a kind of retail store. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm tired. I'm, just off work. I'm like, oh, junk mail, some Christmas cards here, whatever, right? I opened one of them for my mom, stuck to $5,000. I don't say anything to anybody, hey, I owe this or anything like that, but just like I was just saying, hey, I got your back. It's the, you know, it's the amount of fun. Wow. 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 And in one of the, in part of the declaration that we, we uh, confess together is the cancellation of debts. Right? And checks in the mail. Right? You guys want to make another declaration today? Alright, let's all stand. Let's get the declaration up here. We're coming to the Lord together. God's not broke. God's not stressed out. God's not having an issue with resources. We have to, as His people, obey Him and, in faith, believe that He is going to respond. And then you and I become conduits of blessing. Rather than living at the level of scraping and trying to just make the ends meet, God can go so far beyond that, but we have to do our part. But it needs to be in faith, not in fear. That's why we do this. So heaven's listening, hell hates this, and we are going to meet heaven and earth right now, right? We are, we are the horizon of heaven and earth. So let's say this out loud together. This is scripture. I am the Lord all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% of your income into the storehouse so there will be food in my house. Then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessings after blessings. I will also stop the devourer from destroying your crops and keeping your vineyards from producing it. Everyone of every nation will talk about how I have blessed you and about your wonderful land. I, the Lord, all-powerful, have spoken. Now let's make this declaration. Dear Lord, as we joyfully and willingly give you our offerings today, we are believing you for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales, and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interests and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, Finding money, bills paid off, bills decreased, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs, that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. Amen. Can we have the lights up? Josh, that testimony, the healing testimony, is that appropriate to, to give a message this morning? Great. Are we going to come on up real quick? Uh, one of the things, and I want to ask Nick, can you, can you catch this? Okay, great. Okay, no pressure. <laughs> uh, well, um, we had 
dear Lee's sister, Noelle, come out for uh, the holidays, um, this is going Christmas with us. She's not a believer. Uh, she's, you know, she's got some medical things going on, but she's, she's very intellectual. She likes to see God in a lot of other different religions. And, and so she'll find out and dig and, and find the truth. And she's saying a lot of the religions out there sound a lot like, like uh, Christianity. They all kind of have the same storyline and, and that, that kind of thing. So we were just talking real deep about the love of God and how, you know, she was saying some Christians can be very critical when they see me because she's a very eccentric person. She's very artistic. She's got her hair dyed blue, purple, all kinds of stuff. She's got like dense skeletons all over her, like tattoos and crazy. And a lot of people at first glance would be like, whoa, that's a, that's a hardcore chick right there. So, and she likes hardcore music, so, you know, that's, that's true. That's so awesome. So what about this is your wife is like the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to play hardcore music, and that's what made her fall in love with me. So. Anyway, so we're, we're in the kitchen talking about the love of God and the power of God and the Holy Spirit. And you know, sometimes when you have conversations with people, you can just feel a switch go off in you and you feel that flow. And you're saying things that you would never normally say, like, praise God, it's amazing. And it's like, that was coming up for the both of us, Daryl and I talking to her. And I'm like, well, usually with, with intellectual people, you know, they try to figure everything out and, you know, to believe God with your mind, which is, you know, which is good. God wants you to believe with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But those types of people, I, and I said this to her, we need an experience with God. So you have something to hinge your faith on. And so I asked her, because she was complaining about back pain all weekend, because she takes medication for it. And I said, is your back hurting right now? She's like, yeah, it's hurting right now. I'm like, well, I believe that if I pray for you in Jesus' name, the power of the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to feel heat in your back, and it's going to be healed, and the pain's going to go away. And she's like, okay. I'm like, would you feel okay if I pray for you right now? She's like, absolutely. So Daryl and I laid hands on her back, and we're like, in Jesus' name, his back be healed. And she's like, I feel. She's saying that she felt the heat, and the pain just poof, it went away. Three times, because she's like, "What about a little bit?" She's like, "Well, you know what? Jesus prayed like multiple times for people to get healed, so we prayed like three times, and it, and it went completely away, right?" That's right. Yeah. 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 So, so she had an experience with the power of God, which was like, "Whoa!" And like God just invaded her world without her even trying to, you know, He just wanted to demonstrate His love for her. Yeah. And um, what was the other thing that we were saying uh, to her about? Um, <laughs> anyway, wait for God. You had a pain in your chest too, right? She had chest pain. So we're just having this whole healing thing going on in the kitchen where we pray for early is like she's starting to have breathing pains. That went away as soon as we prayed. So it's just like the Holy Spirit just dropped on that place in our kitchen and started manifesting. So cool. It was really cool. You know what I love about this testimony is here is your sister who is a little bit resistant. Right, to your guys' kind of thing. And she knows that, you know, that her brother-in-law is a worship leader in the church, and you're like a fanatical Christian, right? And she's going to come stay at your house for Christmas, right? So, like, her defenses are up. Oh, yeah. You know? And the approach you took was, rather than having her agree with what you believe or qualify for God's goodness, you just brought it. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And now it's an undeniable experience with the love of God with a supernatural gift attached to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
So eyesight is still the one thing that we're really praying hard for. We can continue those prayers, but yeah, it's great. Yeah, that would be great. Let's do it. Come on. Let's reach your hands out toward Oliver Nicholas Tate, this miracle child. Jesus, we, we, uh, we, first of all, we can't believe that you've done all this and leave his eyesight undone. You've saved his life, so now we want to see everything saved. So in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray healing power in Oliver's eyes right now. You would correct every deficiency, that you would grow them up perfectly according to your design, that you would bring him to perfection just as you planned for his life to be. Yes. Amen. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Um, you know, we, we went through obviously uh, pretty hard to deal with all of it, but uh, God has blessed us in so many different ways throughout this year. We, we moved into a new place. Uh, my job's going extremely well. Uh, Jackie, is, uh, is, her job's going fantastically well as well. So, I mean, he, uh, yeah, we went through something tough with him, but everything else in our life has just been abundantly blessed. Mm -hmm. So, we, uh, yeah, we appreciate that. Well, well you guys, you guys also stayed focused. You guys hung in there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this kind of thing can blow families apart. Yeah. I know you guys. <laughs> it was hard, wasn't it? And you guys hung in there. So, uh, first of all, we commend you for your faithfulness yeah. to Jesus Christ. God's will and to one another. Thanks for your support. And, and I'm going to ask you one more question. This will lead right up to the opening of my sermon. I think this is really important. Um, how have you guys grown spiritually? How have you grown closer to the Lord during this trial? You know, it's, God has used this experience in so many different ways. Really, you, I mean, it has such a big difference. I mean, 
we're called to love. And so if you see someone that, and you can go the extra mile or it's cooking them a dinner or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or um, you can really grow in your spiritual faith uh, from helping a brother or sister. It doesn't yeah. have to be the church, but yeah. I mean, so those who reached out to you made yeah. a big difference. Just, just as much as going to yeah, this as well, but your own way. That's awesome. Thanks, you guys, for sharing. <laughs> So today I want to talk to us about how to make your past praise God. A lot of times, uh, like this one year, uh, it was the 1980s, my brother and I were in business, and it was just a horrible year. And I remember getting the receiver of the phone, going into the bathroom, opening up the toilet lid, and calling my brother and said, this is what I think about 1980, whatever it was. And I put the receiver close to the water and I flushed the toilet, right? What a horrible attitude. But don't you feel that way sometimes? Like I'm glad that year's over with. So I want to talk about how to make your past praise God. That's not it. Because look what look what the book of Romans says. Romans 8:28. Many of you are familiar with this passage. A lot of you cling on to it for dear life. And we know that God causes some things. No, no, everything. And we know that God causes specific things that he chooses. Uh, I'll just keep going until you say it. And we know that God causes everything. Everything to work together for the good. Do we believe this? Yes. For the good of those who love God. Do you love God? Yes. And that's a qualifying statement right there. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So, here's the point. One translation says this, that God works together with us to make all things work together for good. Because the reality is, we can work against God as he's trying to make things work together for our good. You know that's true, right? We can work against God. Like there are a lot of things in that year that I described that God is working together for my good, but I'm flushing it down the toilet saying there's nothing good there. It's worthless. I'm not giving my attention to it. I'm not looking for God in it. So that's a huge mistake. So we can work with God or we can work against God as he's trying to work for our good. So, and it's not just the bad things. We usually gravitate toward the negative things when we read a verse like this. He said everything. Because the reality is our successes can make us arrogant rather than humble. And our trials can make us bitter rather than better. So it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. God wants to use all of it to fulfill his will in our lives. So there's four things I want us to look at today that can um, be tools that we can use to help uh, us work with God to make our past praise Him. Are you ready? Number one, the four questions. How has God grown you? How has God grown you? Here's the reality. Well, first I want to read the rest of this passage because we usually stop where I stop. God works all things together for our good, right? Those love Him and call according to His purpose. Look at the rest of this verse, though. 
And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For God knew his people in advance and chose them to, you say that out loud with me, become like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. What he's, the reason he's working everything together for our good is so that you and I can become more like Jesus. For God, that is the end game. I remember one time, I was so uh, upset with God's process. The crucifixion and resurrection process that we go through. The trials that we endure. And one time I said to the Lord, I said, what? Why do we have to go through these kind of trials and tribulations? And he spoke to my heart and said, so that you can become like my son. And I said, so what? Now, you might think, my goodness, that's sacrilegious. Well, it was already in my heart, and he knows my heart. So it's not like when I said it, he found out that that was my attitude, right? right, right. I mean, if you're going to walk with God, just be real. He loves real. And it breaks religiosity and denial, all sorts of weirdness. Just be real with God. I said, so what? What's the big deal about me and us becoming like your son? And he took me to Philippians. We won't go there, but he, he, he wanted me to read Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 12. And the last part of that verse says, to the glory of God the Father. And that literally became the motivation of my life. From, I was about 24 years old at that point. That had become... The motivator of my life from that moment to glorify God with my life. And that really is the entire Bible, cover to cover. That's the whole purpose of our existence, is to bring glory to God. And the thing that brings glory to God the most is every time you and I become one inch more like Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, God loves character and Satan hates it. He hates Jesus. And so the more you become like Christ, the more it afflicts Satan. I remember one time someone said to me, after all you've been through, how can you continue to serve God? And I said, well, listen, one of the reasons is because I love him. But let me tell you another motivator. It's about half of the motivation for me personally. I will not allow Satan to use my life to mock God. Right. When, when Satan came against Job, Job said, if you take all his blessings away, he'll curse you. And Job, what? Satan said that to God. Yeah. Like Mark's afflicting me right now with his Denver Broncos jersey. <laughs> you know the blood of Jesus is powerful. When, when two elders in our church... You, now listen, what I know about Mark, though, he's from Canada, so they don't really stand for anything. What I know about Mark is he has two or three other jerseys underneath that one. And whatever team's winning is the jersey he will wear. I, I know him. He's, he's godly and spiritual, but when it comes to that, he's just sinful. And you know the blood of Jesus is powerful when we can have... Uh, a Patriots fan in the house, Broncos fan in the house, Chargers fans in the house, 49ers jersey on the front row. This is ridiculous. And we're all worshiping Jesus. 
at the same time. Now that's called unity. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So Job would not allow Satan to use his life to say, see God, see, he only worships you when things are going good. And Job said, even if God were to kill me, I will still praise him because he is my redeemer. redeemer So let me ask you this question. Have the trials in your life, have you allowed them to make you bitter or better? I kind of go back and forth. I go up and down and down. But because I really truly own this perspective, this eternal perspective, thank God for it. I didn't come about it myself. Jesus has to eventually get you to that place where that eternal perspective becomes your life perspective. The trials, whether it come from Satan to destroy or from God to develop, you and I can choose what they produce in us by the way we behave and the way we perceive them. This is how you make your past to praise God. You can look at 2013 and say, oh, it was a horrible year. Well, have you become more like Jesus? No. Well, that's your fault. Right? Because God is working together all things to make you more and more like his son, which brings him greater glory. So you can change right now. Right now. You can say, I am so tired of being a blamer and a shamer and a criticizer and a, and a blame shifter and bitter. I'm done with that. I'm wasting my destiny. I'm wasting the work of God in my life. If you and I are not becoming more like Christ, it's a waste. Because that is the whole point. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Yeah. And have your successes made you more arrogant or more thankful? You see, blessings are as much of a temptation toward ungodliness as trials are. In fact, when you look at the history of Israel, when you read the Bible, when they got blessed, they forgot God. Because desperation drives us, well, either into bitterness or into betterness, into Christ. And we cry out to God. That's why I asked you guys the question with uh, the taste. Has been, how have you grown spiritually through this trial? Because Mark and I walked with them personally through this trial. And there were some times when it wasn't creating betterness. It was creating bitterness. And we watched them seek God through it anyway, and they came out better. But blessings can cause people to forget God. That's why in the Bible, it actually says this in the book of Deuteronomy. It says, after you have eaten and you are full, after dinner, give God thanks, lest you forget who made you prosperous. Isn't that interesting? At our table, at our house, every night when we have dinner, we have the thankful ball. And we have to say what you're thankful for and throw it to another person, family member. So we keep thankfulness as a major theme in our home. But it really depends on your perspective. I know for me, when I pull up for our home that God gave us in Ramona, I don't know why Ramona, it's kind of like a mixed bag, mixed blessing, but God cannot actually love it. When I spoke to my house, to this day, many times I stop and I just look at the home that God has given my family and I, and I'm so humbled because I know I didn't produce that. I could never have produced that for my life and my family. Not in a million years, and it humbles me because God's goodness is supposed to humble us. 
Not make us arrogant to think we're better than others. So you have to ask yourself the question. Have your trials made you bitter or better? And have your successes made you more arrogant or more humble and thankful? How have you become more like Christ this year? Look what the Bible says regarding trials. In 1 Peter. Be self-controlled and vigilant always. For your enemy, the devil, is always about prowling like a roaring lion for its prey. Resist him, staying firm in your faith. Remember that the strain is the same for all your fellow Christians. So don't be a martyr and say, oh, I have it worse than others. Then it's the same for all believers all over the world. And after you have borne these sufferings a very little while, God himself, from whom we receive all grace, and who has called us to share his eternal splendor through Christ, will make you whole and secure and strong. The longer you and I live, I think the more wholeness becomes attractive. Character, man, becomes so attractive. When you're younger, you're praying for stuff. When you get to about the middle age, you start praying for wholeness and wisdom and faithfulness and patience. You know, they said we spend our youth uh, we, we spend our use, use we spend our youth using up our health to gain wealth, and then we spend the last half of our, our life using our wealth to regain our health. That's why it's unfortunate that we usually gain the wisdom later in life, and wholeness and security and strength become the prize. This is what trials can do for us if we allow them. This is how you make your past praise God. Closing out this first point. This is about perspective. And purpose. If you see your trials and triumphs as opportunities to make you more like Jesus, you will make your past praise God. Number two, how do you make your past praise God? Not only how has God grown you, but what has God shown you? Jesus said, well, let me ask you this. Don't look at the passage yet. Let me ask you, what do you believe is the definition of eternal life? Just, just throw it out there. What's that? Living forever. Somebody else. Knowing God. Hanging out with Jesus. Okay. Living forever and hanging out with Jesus is part of the definition of eternal life. It will go on forever. But what is it that goes on forever? Knowing God. Knowing Jesus Christ is eternal life and knowing his Father. Jesus said it. Let's look at Jesus' definition of eternal life. This, and Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. When Jesus said he came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly, yeah. he wasn't talking about stuff. Right. He was talking about himself. He was talking about his life. Jesus said, if you will give up your life, you will find what is truly life. He said, if you give up your life, and uh, for, for me in the kingdom, you will truly find life. And again, we usually don't figure this out until later in life when we have worked so hard for prestige and power and possessions. Remember the two brothers that were arguing about the inheritance in the Bible? He, one, of the, one of the brothers said to Jesus, make my brother give me my portion of the inheritance. And Jesus stood up and said, beware of covetousness. You know the guy wished to God he had not spoken up in public to the rabbi. Jesus uses their greed and covetousness and their desire for things as an object lesson for the rest of us. 
And he said, life does not consist, life, joy, the satisfaction in life does not consist of the things that you possess. Jesus Christ said that. And then he talked about a man who possessed a bunch of stuff, and then he got a promotion and got a whole bunch of more stuff. And so the man said, what should I do with all my extra stuff? And he said, I don't know what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns so I can hold more of my stuff. And Jesus said, fool. Called him a fool for thinking life was about the accumulation of stuff, including reputation, power, prestige, acclaim. These things that the Bible says are all going to disappear, but all that remains is the will of God. And he said, this night your soul is required of you. He had no control of his own destiny. Mm -hmm. And he spent his life sucking on things, on possessions, on this earth, earthly life. His tentacles were all attached to his stuff. Remember that young rich ruler who fell down before Jesus in public again? I like to go to Jesus in private. I've <laughs> 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 even been corrected in public more than once. You think, He throws himself down in church, looks religious. Oh, how much? What can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, knowing he had a greed problem, Jesus is not against wealth. He created it. But he, he doesn't like greed because it hurts us and ruins our relationships and derails our destiny. God, or your God cannot be money. It derails your destiny. Jesus said you can't serve money and God. You can't serve both. You know what the Lord told me when I was in business? If you serve me, I'll cause money to serve you. And he did. And there's so much story. The Bible says God's blessing, God, God's blessing brings riches and he adds no sorrow with it. Where the book of Timothy says, they that pursue riches will pierce the heart through with many sorrows. Riches and wealth and fame cannot be our pursuit. Jesus Christ and the advancement of his kingdom must be our pursuit. And Jesus said, if you put my kingdom first, I will add all these other things to you. Oh, yeah. And he does. Oh, man, it's a win-win. I think I'm preaching now. <laughs> so he says, full this night, your soul's required of you. Now whose possessions are those things? This whole journey is about Knowing God and worshiping Him. And it is through trials and triumphs that you and I come to know God. I mean, it's one thing to read the scriptures and see that God is Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Or God is Jehovah Rapha, the healer. Or God is Jehovah Shammah, the ever-present God who comforts me in my sorrow. It's one thing to read it in the scriptures and even to get revelation on it, reading the Bible. Wow! It's another thing to be going through hell and Jesus comes yeah. and comforts you in a personal way. Amen. That now you know God and that little dimension because he's very big. Yeah. You see, Christianity is a Christianity of experience. From cover to cover, People having encounters with the living God is what produces worship. This is how we make our past praise God. Is whether it is prosperity or whether it is trials and suffering, if we allow these things to cause God to be revealed to us, 
through prosperity and blessings, we experience his goodness. He is so much gooder than we are bad. I mean, his goodness leads us to repentance. I mean, when sin abounds, his grace much more abounds. Experiencing God's goodness causes us to know him. This is his purpose and point of blessing us is so that we know how good he is. But then in the trials when he meets our needs, bring it down to a human level. I mean, how many of you have a friend for life? Raise your hand. A friend for life. Why is that person a friend for life? Because you, because you read their Facebook about how they like to be there for people? And you're letting you hear their stories about how that person gave to a certain person or met a certain person in their time of need, and you can read their Facebook profile and say, wow, they, they really are a person who's out, who meets other people's needs. Or was it because in your time of distress, they were there? How many of you have that kind of a friend? They were there for you. So now you know that person's compassion and mercy because you've experienced it for yourself. And that makes that friendship so tight. Mark's done that for me. Jerry's done that for me. I remember a time when I was just so ready to throw in the towel, and Mark and I sat on a wall. And he talked to me about my friendship with God. I'm not talking about my friendship with God. I want to talk about my purpose and destiny. He's like, man, man, you're in a bad place. I'm like, you're in a bad place. <laughs> <laughs> Friendship with God. Ah, no, we're all friends with God. I'm a friend of God. I can sing the song. And he wouldn't let up. And it was a transformational moment in my life. God met me through Mark. And that caused Mark and I to be tighter than we were before he put the screws in. <laughs> so, has your past made you a deeper worshiper? Are you more in awe of God? Are you more dependent on Him? If so, you're making your path praise God because it's making you a deeper worshiper. I remember one time I walked up in a church service and you know people were singing and people speakers were getting up, different ones were sharing, and it was, it was good. And then this one lady came up on the stage, she opened her mouth, and she just started talking about Jesus. And I mean, it was and powerful. It made you want to worship. And then she started talking about the trial that she had been in. Now Jesus had met her there. It changed the atmosphere of the place. And you knew that woman knows God. The last two points. One, how has God grown you? Two, how has God shown you? What has God shown you? Three, what can you use? What can you use? What are some specific things that God has done in you that will enable you to bring Him glory in 2014? Listen, the fires of life and, and the successes of life give you things like wisdom, resources, key relationships that if you can recognize 
these are provisions of God, the character he's developed in you and the resources around you, he does this on purpose so that you then can step into the next season of your life well-equipped to advance his kingdom even more and bring more glory to God. Nice. So rather than looking back and, 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 and complaining, look around, look inside, and look what God has done and recognize the key relationships and the resources and the character and the things that God has done that you can grab a hold of and say, this is useful. In fact, here's a powerful passage that relates to this. This is talking about a, the big picture, macro, but it's also, I have found, seasons. It works on a micro level as well. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 12. But now he has promised, saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Here's what I have found. <coughs> there are times and seasons in your life where God will take your life and go like this. And you're trying to control things and grab hold of things. It might be a reputation, a relationship, a position, possession, something. And you're trying to... Hang on to your life as you know it because it's safe and you're comfortable and you like it. And, yeah. and God is just shaking it and people behave in certain ways. You can't stop and control things. You're shifting. Anybody relate to that? Yeah. Yeah. You've lived on the planet more than a day and a half. <laughs> you got to figure out. This one time, this one season of my life, everything just went crazy. And in the middle of it, God spoke to my heart and said, your world is on fire, and you can do nothing about it. He actually said, I've set your world on fire. And in fact, the last verse of that passage is, for our God is a consuming fire. But God's fire is a good fire. It purges, and it causes gold to be revealed. He said, I've set your world on fire, and you can't do anything about it. And then he said this, but when it's all done, you'll know who your friends are. Oh, 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 oh wow. And here is the amazing thing about that. I could not have written on a list who I thought my friend would be and who my non-friend would be at the end of the shaking and have gotten it even close. Shocked me. People that I was on the same page theologically that would criticize and this and that, after I went through this fire, they were right next to me like this. I'm like, wow, really? And then people were saying, this is the best pastor in the whole wide world. I'm like, <laughs> I know you have a story or two that you can tell. <laughs> Many times God will shake your world so that this is important. I've got to come to a quick close. I hit the last point. So that the things were never of Him can be shaken away. There are friendships some of you guys have that are pulling you down, and you got to be done with them. You know they're not of the Lord. Influences. Things in your life that you know that are not of God. Priorities that you know are off. And God will shake these things so they fall off so you are truly free to serve the Lord in all your fullness and beauty and glory that he's created you to serve you. 
And then there are things that are of God, but they were for a season. People, places, things, ministries, whatever it might be, and he changes the seasons. That's part of the shaking. So that, he says, the things that can be removed are removed, and then the things that cannot be shaken remain. And these are the things you take into your next one. That's how you make a path. Praise God. You say, thank you, Pastor. I was talking to some of the intercessors today. For, it's Kathy's birthday. Kathy and I see I said to Kathy, you know, we were joking. I said, oh, 36. And we were joking. She said, yeah, I wish. I said, you know what? Actually, I don't. I don't want to have to go through all that again to get to where I am today, right? I like, I mean, I'm, I'm a spry 50. I'll be 51 in just a little bit. Few days. I don't want to have to go through the last 50 years all over again. Because I like what God has done in me and what He has done around me. I like it. I, and it, it didn't come cheaply, right? You too, right? right? That's how you make your past praise God and say, Thank you, God, for what I went through so that I could be who I am today. Thank you. Now, can the next 50 be easier? <laughs> And then finally, not only how has God grown you, what has God shown you, what can you use, but what do you need to lose? Mm. The past gives you clarity on what's important and what's not. What is useful and what is not useful. What is helpful for you in your marriage, in your ministry, in your personal life and stewardship, there are just some things that don't help. There's some people that don't help. Yeah. Oh, somebody's got stuck. What do you need to lose and just leave in the past? Look what the Bible says regarding this. This scripture is about us. We'll close with this. So then, let us, let us also run the race that is laid out in front of us since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, those who have gone before us who are in heaven, let's throw off, that means we have the power to do it, let's throw off, no excuses and I can't, let's throw off any extra baggage. That doesn't mean your spouse, by the way. Okay? There's some clarity here. There's some things you're in covenant with. Some things that you, that you need to be faithful with, but you know what I'm talking about. You know what the scripture's talking about. You know what the Holy Spirit's talking about. Throw off any extra baggage. Get rid of the sin that trips us up. And fix our eyes on Jesus, faith's pioneer and perfecter. He endured the cross, ignoring the shame. Man, I have a whole series of teachings on that. Ignoring the shame. For the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him and sat down at the right side of God's throne. I believe deep down on the inside of every one of us that are here today and are listening to this online. I believe deep down we would really like to finish well like Jesus. And much of it depends on us. 
working together all things for our good, because we love him and we're called according to his purpose. But there is extra baggage and sin that's weighing us down and holding us back, and that's our responsibility to say enough of that. This backpack is all I'm taking with me into the next season, right? Nice and tight and orderly, and everything that's in it is supposed to be in it. It's from the Lord. Now, I can run my race. I can run my race fixing my eyes on Jesus Christ. How many of you have things right now that you're thinking of that are extra baggage and sin that you need to throw off and leave behind in 2013? Will you raise your hand if that's you? Amen. Well, it's most of us. It could be attitude. It could be unforgiveness. It could be the bitterness. What he didn't do, what she did, what they... That blaming, leave it. That's extra baggage. And the unforgiveness is actually sin. It might be shame of past failures. Do you know God is bigger than your failures? Do you know God is bigger than our shame? Do you know that Jesus Christ actually not only bore your sins on the cross, he actually bore the emotional shame that comes with that sin on the cross too? That's why when I have sinned against somebody and ask them to forgive me and they don't forgive me, and I don't walk around doing the tough head around them, right? You know, the tough head? It makes them so mad because they want me to live with the shame that I deserve because of the way I treated them. And I'm like, sorry. Jesus already died, and he rose from the dead, and he bore the shame of my trespass, too. I'm sorry that afflicts you. I don't mean for it to. I've asked you to forgive me. Now it's your turn to do the right thing. And I'm not living with that shame because he bore my shame. Some of you need to learn how to throw off the shame and just give it to Jesus. He bore your shame so you could bear his righteousness. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. So let's all stand. Let's close out the service with a leaving behind those things that you need to leave behind so that you can focus on the things of God that you can use as you move into this new year, 2014. So I want us to get quiet just for a moment. And a lot of the Holy Spirit who knows you and knows everything about you and loves you as your best friend and is the power of transformation, the Holy Spirit, let's just get quiet just for a moment. Just close your eyes. I'm going to ask him a question and let him reveal to you whatever he wants to reveal to you. Holy Spirit, in these last moments of 2013 here at Gathering Place Church, we are asking you now, we courageously ask you, Reveal to our hearts and our minds what we need to lose as we move into this next year. So just get quiet and listen to me.
all pray this prayer together. Just pray this. And, I mean, you've got to mix your faith with what we're about to pray. Because it's a new day. His mercy is new every single morning. Where your sin has abounded, his grace has abounded more. So, say this with me. Let's all say this out loud together. Shame, Shame. You, are not my Lord. you are not my Lord. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I do not have to listen to you, to to you. or obey you. So I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I command you, shame, shut up in the name of Jesus. I cast you off. Jesus has bore my shame. So I don't have to. Now let's turn to the Lord. Say, Jesus, you know I've confessed this to you. And so now I receive 100% forgiveness and freedom from that sin and that shame in your mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 So be it. So be it. That's the freedom of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down. If you uh, have any prayer needs, the prayer team is going to be down here to pray for you. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you cannot earn your way to heaven as a free gift. I'm going to ask that you come down front with the prayer team. They'll pray with you so you can make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. If you're a visitor, got a guest card, put it back to the resource center. We'd appreciate that. There's a, a gift for you back there. And other than that, happy 2014. I'll see you in the new year. God bless you.